Welcome to HII Talking Points, a Huntington Ingalls Industries podcast. Twice a quarter, we'll sit down with HII leaders to discuss topics of interest in our company and industry. My name is Phoebe Richards, and today I'm speaking with HII President and CEO Mike Petters about early childhood education. Mr. Petters, thanks for joining me today. You bet. Great to be back. So I know this is a topic that's close to your heart. Uh, You have dedicated much of your work to early childhood education and making it a priority among families and businesses in the U.S. And so I'd like to talk about this pursuit and hear a little more about your thoughts on the topic and why it's so important to you, both as a citizen and as an employer. So with that, let's get started. Uh, A big part of workforce development is the talent pipeline. We hear that a lot. Uh, Where do you see the beginning of the talent pipeline and how does early childhood education factor in? Well, thanks, Phoebe. Um, I I would say that wherever you are in your life, you're the product of all of your previous experiences. Um, When you're trying to get into a college or you're trying to go to school somewhere, You can't go to 12th grade until you've gone through the first 11 grades and you've done all the things that you need to do there. Uh, I frankly think that you can use the pipeline analogy to describe lots of things like that. And certainly the talent pipeline is an analogy that's used to describe how we prepare somebody to be ready to come into the workforce. Uh, I think it begins, frankly, you know, after children are born. They start learning. And... Uh, that you know they learn at very differing speeds uh, driven a lot by the environment that they're in one of the things that I have uh, discovered is that about 90% of your brain is developed by the time you were five Wow! so if you don't think the pipeline for talent starts until you're a junior in high school you have just missed out on 90% of your brain development more than 90% of your brain development um, and 10 years of schooling. So for me, it seems that we ought to be, we ought to really be thinking about how do we, how do we take full advantage of that time when, when children are, they're learning how to, uh, they're learning how to learn and they're, and, and they're learning to love learning. And, and to me, that's a, that's a very powerful tool to have at your disposal is, uh, as you go through life, if you're someone that loves learning, um, you have a you have increased your opportunity for success. So it sounds like it's pretty evident that early childhood education is important for these little brains forming. Um, but you know, despite the evident benefits of early childhood education programs, a surprisingly small number of children are actually enrolled in these programs in the U.S. So what does that mean for you as an employer? Well, I think uh, employers. You know, we're not going to employ somebody when they're five or six years old. We're going to employ them when they're 18 or 19. And quite frankly, we're we're going to be more typically more thoughtful about the person that we're employing uh, tomorrow than we might be about the folks we might employ 10 or 15 years from now. And so, a lot of the discussion around workforce development sort of focuses on how do you get folks who have high school diplomas the skill set they need to be productive at work and um, how do you how do you take advantage of the school systems how the community colleges those kinds of things and a lot of employers most employers kind of think of workforce development in that fashion 
Uh, and we do too. You know, we, we have apprentice schools. We are partnered with community colleges. When you're the largest employer in two states and you have employees located around the world, uh, attracting talent and, and transitioning them into the workforce in a very productive way quickly is a that's a central competency of this of this corporation uh, and and we we put a lot into that having said that we actually have a horizon that is further than most companies uh, and if we I, I just view that if we're not the ones thinking about the beginning of the pipeline then who would be and so I felt an obligation to point out that for all of the energy that you put into getting someone that last piece to go from high school to employee or from community college to employee or from college to employee, that's an expensive transition. Uh, for all the money that you put into that, you might be able to head some of that off with, and make it just a fraction of that if you were able to make some of that investment early in the, in the process rather than late in the process. Uh, and a company with a long horizon like HII has a responsibility, I think, in our society to stand up and say that that's important. Right. So in the past, you've connected two seemingly unrelated things, early childhood education and national security. What is the relationship between these two? Well, I didn't come up with that. Um, I, I confess that there was a study done uh, back in the mid-80s that pointed out that uh, it, was a, it was a federal study that pointed out that uh, our education system as it existed in the 80s was, um, was a significant disadvantage uh, and actually I'm not sure they might have used the words uh, you know unilaterally disarming or something it was very it was it was very much uh, uh, no enemy would would could do as much damage to us as we are doing with our with our own education system now I think that was set up to try to create you know a lot of these reports uh, you know are they'll take they'll take really important data and they'll they'll try to they'll try to use the data to put forth a set of solutions and certainly this was trying to move forward on an education agenda um, but I think there's some sense of that now I mean we live in a society today, 30 years later, that uh, technology is not an advantage. You know, back in back in those days when uh, we had we were doing all the R and D for the world, um, you know, we were kind of at the end of the Cold War. Uh, the the, um, the the American century had kind of come to fruition. Uh, nobody was really challenging us from a security standpoint. Nobody could match the technology that was in our labs. Nobody could match the innovation that we were seeing. I mean, nobody else has a Silicon Valley like we do. Um, and I think that uh, where we are today, 30 years later, is that all of those technological advantages, while we may still come up with them sometimes, uh, the, the length of time before somebody else, one of our peer competitors, has that advantage or, or equalizes the playing field, levels the playing field, um, that is a lot shorter than it used to be. It used to be measured in years. Now it might be measured in months or weeks or days. And so when you're in that kind of a competition, that's sort of an all-hands-on-deck competition. Well, I, I fundamentally believe that you know our society is actually 
principled in the way with protection of freedom and, and rights to be, to be in a place where we can be stronger than some of the other kinds of societies that have been suggested out there. But if we are not able to get all hands on deck, we may never get the chance to prove it. So, you know, if you, the Navy has been talking as recently as the past couple of months about uh, if you take the population of the country today between the ages of 18 and 24, and you take out the people that do not have a high school diploma, and you take out the people that have a criminal record, and you take out the people that have some sort of physical uh, fitness issue, you're left with 25% of that population between the ages of 18 and 24. That 25% is the population that the Navy has to recruit from because they can't recruit from the other 75%. Those are the people that businesses want to recruit from too. And the question for our society, I think, is going to be what do we do about that other 75%? Are we just going to pay for them? Or are we going to try to find ways to solve that 75% challenge and drive it the other way? I think uh, there are lot, probably lots of ideas out there, but I think that the way to solve those kinds of strategic long-term challenges is start at the beginning. And, it, and investment in early childhood education is going to have, uh, uh, my, my instinct tells me that that's going to have a pretty high return on that investment, and that's a way to start chipping away at that 75% or increasing the 25%. Mm-hmm. Um, and in an environment where we're competing with peers who have this, essentially the same technology that we have, um, we had better be thinking about how do, we, how do we solve that problem. You've said in the past that education can change people's trajectories. Do you see education as a major change agent in your own life? Oh, without question. The, um, you know, there was a point in time when I changed schools. I went from uh, a school where it was in the you know, it was, it was in my hometown and it was uh, uh, a good school. Um, but the question that I was always asked in that environment was, you know, are you gonna go on to college? Are you gonna go to a community college? Are you gonna do anything after high school? And my answer was, I don't know. And I changed schools by virtue of a scholarship. Uh, and I, the first day in the new school, the question that, that was proposed by the principal of the school was, your job while you are with us for the next four years is to figure out where you're going to go to college. Well, for someone at the beginning of ninth grade, that's a complete change in reference frame, and uh, you know that that sort of that that was a change in the trajectory of my life, and and so I think creating access. I th- I think we actually have a lot of people. All they want is opportunity, and if there are ways that we can continue to create access for those folks. Um, expand the access, then uh, we have a chance to, that's another way that we can chip away at the 75%. Speaking of expanding access, uh, what are some things that HII does for the talent pipeline and to make education more accessible? Well, we have various scholarship programs um, that we have for, for, uh, for our employees. Over the last couple of years, we've given out a couple of hundred scholarships, I guess. Um, we're unique in that not only do we do um, scholarships to four-year colleges, we do scholarships to junior colleges or community colleges, um, but we've also uh, created, uh, and I think it's a one-of-a-kind program to allow for um, parents of young children to get access for their children to preschools. 
And uh, I'm particularly proud of that because when we first brought that up to the to the folks that do this, the scholarship people that do this, they kind of looked at us and said, nobody does that. And so I was really proud that we were able to go and, and kind of get that started. And that's just consistent with our worldview that you know you certainly have to be able to take care of your workforce development needs today, but a truly strategic company is going to be also thinking about its workforce development needs of the future. Mm -hmm. So looking towards the future and kind of what you already mentioned, the HRI Scholarship Fund does provide preschool kids with um, access to education that could change their lives. So where do you see those children in 20 or so years when they're entering the workforce for the first time? Well, my view is that they're not going to be in the 75%. Right. They're going to be in the 25%, and they're going to be working with us um, in our society, maybe working in our company, but certainly working in our society to continue to try to change that 75% to something else. Right. Well, it's apparent you're very passionate about this topic. So Mr. Petters, thank you for joining me today and sharing your thoughts on this issue. Well, thanks for giving me a chance. Thanks for listening to HII Talking Points. This podcast was produced by Huntington Ingalls Industries' Corporate Communications Team. We welcome your feedback and ideas for future podcasts at www.huntingtoningles.com slash podcasts.